if I look at my own career, I was more worried sometimes about accomplishing things than I was accomplishing things, learning and getting better. And I think it's important to have a good balance between the two. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts from the digital learning team at Crotonville, GE's Global Learning Institute. On today's episode, we have another leader in residence as our guest. To recap what the LIR program is, if you are new to our podcast, throughout the year, GE selects top leaders across the company to come spend a week at our Global Leadership Development Campus in New York, both as part of their own development and to be a guest speaker in some of the leadership classes being held on campus. Rich Laxer, CEO of GE Capital, was our latest LIR, and I hope you enjoy the insights from our chat. Could you tell us just a little bit about what you do? Yeah, so I run GE Capital, and GE Capital, as everyone knows, is the financial business within GE, and the business has changed dramatically the last few years. We made the decision in 2015 to exit the majority of our assets, assets that were very profitable and good businesses, but that didn't really support the industrial uh, part of our company. Uh, and at the time, we were getting uh, very little credit for our financial earnings and our financial assets. Uh, and so we took the decision to sell those businesses. It was the right decision, even with the uh, benefit of hindsight, and to focus the remaining part of capital, the three businesses we have, and align them with the industrial businesses to support and drive industrial growth. And that's our aviation leasing business, GCAS. Uh, where we're the largest, you know, lessor uh, and owner of, of commercial aircraft, our energy finance business, where uh, we help to uh, finance GE equipment sales around the world, a business that a few years ago had half of it, half of its business in GE equipment and half in non-GE. Today, it's 90% GE, 10% um, non-GE. And then our industrial finance business, where we do the monetization, credit and collections for the parent company, the majority of the parent company, and also do mid-ticket equipment finance in healthcare, in um, oil and gas, and transportation. Great, very good. I know that you joined GE as part of the FMP program, right? Yeah. So, what has changed in the way that GE has approached uh, leadership or development in general since you were in that program to now? Um, yeah, I think where GE's approach to learning has changed is FMP. When I was in FMP, it was very technical. It was the basics of finance, cost accounting, uh, you know, basic accounting concepts, to now thinking, uh, teaching people how to think more broadly, to be more strategic, to be more aware of their personal style and how to develop that to be a better leader. So I'd say that we've evolved from teaching people how to do things to uh, helping people realize their potential uh, individually as opposed to this is how we do it at GE. And I think that's a real important change for the company. And I think it reflects the environment and the world that we live in today. Yeah. In one of your blog posts, you wrote about that you've been hearing some things from some of the participants in the classes that maybe things you haven't thought of before or have just challenged you in terms of your continued growth. What are some of those things specifically that have uh, stood out to you? Thanks for the questions that I've been asked about, you know, what have I learned from my own mistakes? And it forced me to reflect on different decisions I made during my career, uh, how I focused on things that I wasn't good at 
uh, not so much mistakes, but things that weren't natural to me, public speaking, uh, working in groups that you had to work on and just how aware people were of their strengths and weaknesses and how focused they were on, on, on developing themselves. And I think that's, you know, very important. I think if I look at my own career, I was more worried sometimes about accomplishing things than I was accomplishing things, learning and getting better. And I think it's important to have a good balance between the two. Yeah, that's a really good point. When it comes specific to things like digital, have you been hearing anything with respect to that or even personally, has have there been specific challenges in GE's shift as a company to digital industrial and the way that you, maybe your own leadership style that has had to change? Yeah, you know, it's not so much my leadership style. I think everyone conceptually gets why we're so focused and invested in digital. And it's as simple as we want to own the software and the hardware. Not to, and not be in a position where our equipment gets disintermediated by someone else owning the software and the ability to produce analytics for our customers because there's tremendous value in there. So I think everyone gets it strategically and conceptually. I think where we're still developing uh, and, and trying to make sure that people can put that into concrete examples of, of how do you turn that into productivity gains for our company and productivity gains for our customers and how do you quantify the benefit of that? And so I think we really are continuing to develop a bridge between the conceptual strategic ideal, which is a good one, with the practical application of driving productivity for ourselves and our customers. So if there were, I mean, I'm sure that people have come to you um, not only asking you about your experiences, but maybe asking for your advice. So what advice would you give to folks in the company and even outside of GE in terms of this kind of transformation or growth personally? I would say always face into your fears and, uh, and don't run away from things that are hard. You know, we talked a lot about career choices and decisions about jobs. I've always tried to push myself to take a job that I knew was beyond where I was at the time that stretched me and made me uncomfortable and made me think, hey, you know, what? this isn't a no brainer. I'm really going to have to develop to be successful here. And the best way to, to develop and take on challenges is to push yourself. So I would say one was, you know, making sure that you're continue to push yourself to, to make sure there's a good balance in any role that you have where you're contributing to the firm and the firm's giving you a chance to learn and grow. And, and no better example than giving people learn a chance to learn and grow than letting me be leader in residence for a week and letting the people here that participated in the four classes that we had. So I think the development side, understand that's a dynamic, not a static process is really important. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. Um, you talked a little bit also about failures, and I think kind of inherent in your in your last answer, there was an element of failure. Um, would you be willing to share one of your what you would consider a, a failure that was sort of a turning point, or maybe not a turning point, but something that um, really helped you learn? Yeah, I think uh, probably the best lesson for me was, you know, in the distressed real estate days of the early '90s, when we put teams together to go acquire large portfolios of real estate. Prior to that time, we would buy or lend on a property and that we do maybe 10 or 12 deals a year. And given the crisis and the opportunity, we had to process thousands of assets in the same time frame that we processed one or two. And that forced us to think about change exponentially, not incrementally. And that was a huge challenge when you first looked at it and said, well, I only know these four steps to get an asset done in a month. How am I going to do those four steps to get 10,000 assets done in a month? Mm. And what the answer was, it's different. It doesn't mean not taking uh, or accepting that you have risk. 
it's underwriting risk differently in a context of a large portfolio versus an individual asset. So it talked, it taught us how to think exponentially. It also taught us how to face into a challenging situation, or me anyway, face into a challenging situation with the ideal of idea that we will get this done and then figuring out how to get it done and, and removing the sense of doubt because it was much larger. It wasn't incrementally larger. It was exponentially larger. And it doesn't mean we couldn't do it. It just means it required a different approach and real innovation around a different way of attacking an investment. And I think from that, I learned about exponential versus incremental growth. I learned about the confidence of starting a difficult process with, we'll get this done, now let's figure out how. And then also making sure that the people around the team uh, embrace the challenge and we're part of the solution to how do we adjust our process so that we can achieve you know, a much different goal. Sure. Yeah. Would you say that, at least in that case, um, that that was almost an early version of FastWorks? It definitely was. Uh, we, we didn't know what to call it, and we kind of did it on our own. So if we'd help, had help, we could have done it faster and better. Uh, but it absolutely was where you had to break down and, and not modify your process, get rid of it. And, and develop a whole new one. Now, developing a whole new one means still having the same standards of risk and understanding that we're buying a portfolio, but thinking about risk in the context of a broad portfolio of assets versus one asset and not forsaking risk, but appreciating its different risk and coming to grips with how you articulate it and get comfortable with it. Aside from, I guess, pivotal moments like that, uh, things like coming to Crotonville, like you are this week, you also talked about... Uh, something in this new world that's really important as being make, making sure to always always keep developing. Um, so what are some things that you personally do aside from things like this just on a regular day-to-day basis that help you help you grow? Do you read a lot? Do you do stuff online? What do you do? I think um, you know I, I read certainly you know the newspapers, the Economist, uh, get a sense of what's going on in the world. I, stayed, I try to stay connected to the world around us, not just the world of GE. I think there's a risk that if you just stay internally focused and continue just to talk to people in your you know, relative circle, your relevant circle, then you're going to be limited on the ideas that you get. And so I think it's very important to keep a, a, a perspective on the market, to talk to people that are in different spaces, to see some of the trends they're seeing, because things are more interconnected than we think in terms of the direction things are going. And so when it comes to innovation, talking to people like we're in the financial side, talking to people in the fintech space, how are they thinking about analyzing risk, processing transactions in a much faster way, leveraging technology, not forsaking risk, but underwriting it in a different way. So I think uh, it's a combination of things. I think all of us can sit back at our desks and stay very busy and feel like we got a lot done, but miss what's happening around us. And so I think one of the requirements for all of us is keep an eye on what's happening around you. And we talk a lot with people um, as they present to senior leaders in different situations that they should be aware they're being tested on two things. One, what do they know about the subject matter they're presenting in the, in the realm they're in, the function, the business they represent? But also, what do they think about how what they do fits into the broader strategy of the company and how the combination of those two things drive outcomes that make a difference for our customers, for our investors, and at the end of the day, our people as well. Yeah. It, has anything happened that you never would have expected in terms of shifts that you don't think anybody really predicted? Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Um, I think one of the, the shifts that we're seeing that's surprising that came up with a couple of our discussions is a, a trend a little bit away from globalism 
to nationalism? And how do we, given that we're a both a local and a global company, how do we balance that horizontal and vertical approach? And the re answer is we have to be both. We are a local company in the places we do business. We're also a global company doing business in many markets. And we've got to appreciate that in some ways doing business globally is harder today when you have technology and other things that would make you think that it should be easier. But given what's happening politically in a lot of places, people are focusing inward, inwardly and we have to understand that it doesn't mean we can't do business in those places, but we've got to find a way to navigate that, that bridge between horizontal and global or national and global. Right. Well, and that, um, I mean, that just brings up a good point too. I know you have been based internationally. You're based in London right now, correct? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. So uh, of, all, of all the roles that you've had in different places, I mean, what has been some of the key takeaways that you've gotten from those experiences? I think it, it forces you to understand, respect, and, and adjust your approach to the different cultures, the different norms, and, and the way people want to be led. Uh, and it varies in, in places. And you can't just take an American approach and put it in Asia and the UK and think it will work. And so I think it requires you uh, to understand your environment better. It requires you to think on different levels because uh, not only is the culture different, but the laws, the political system, uh, and the approach to customers varies. And so I think it really, it's, it's an exciting challenge, but it forces you to think differently. And I think that's important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Is there anything that we didn't cover that you want to share? No, I think, again, the, you know, the great thing, uh, you know, not to oversell, but, you know, in evolving in, in any period, we can't stop developing, developing new ideas, developing our, our personal brand, evolving as leaders, no matter what situation we're in. And, and I'm, you know, there were four programs going on here at Crotonville this week. There's obviously a lot of things going on with the company, a lot of things uh, that people are focusing on externally. And yet while all that's happening, we're still investing and developing our people and trying to be a better company. Very true. Very true. Well, I'm glad you've been enjoying your time on campus. Uh, and thank you very That's much great. for your time. Great. Thanks, Chantel. Take care. Have a good weekend. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.